0: If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 14. And as you're doing that, I want to say again, to welcome to all of our guests. If you are a first-time guest, it's um, just a blessing that you're here with us. And hopefully while you're here, you'll ask any questions you have. Don't, don't leave with, that, with any questions without asking them. Um, but we uh, want to be a blessing to you while you're here. We've been studying this, we're going to continue to study. And I think there's a, a few things that are very important to bring out in this morning's text, especially in light of uh, this week this this week of thanksgiving and so uh, the last message though we saw we we looked at that God's commands uh, that he commands and he rewards faithfulness and we we talked about the importance of being faithful not not this is important being faithful to the assembly of the saints But being faithful to the commands of God in general, period, we should be uh, doing that. And and again, not only does he he command the the faithfulness, but he rewards it both now and eternity. And we also saw that when we are walking in right fellowship with the Lord, we're walking in obedience, more faithful. There, it's it's a joy to do what God has asked us to do. And I, and I challenge you, I want to challenge you again this morning right off the bat, if it's ever a pain, if it's ever a, a, a difficult thing to do what God has, has called you as his child or commanded you as his child to do, know that you're operating in the flesh. Know that you're operating because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we walk in the Spirit, we are, we are in His yoke with Him. We are walking that path, and it's not a difficult, it's not a hard thing to do. Um, honestly, if you think about this, you just strip away the world, strip away our flesh, and it is just an, a, a, a joyful walk with the Lord. Uh, again, it's those things that, that muddy up the waters, it's those things that make things difficult. And a lot of times, and we know that the enemy's using all these things, but a lot of times we make it so easy for the enemy uh in our our own flesh we get selfish we get self-centered we get uh, carnal minded we get busy we get too busy all those things happen but the second thing we saw is that doctrine still unites and divides Uh, right we know that as long as sound doctrine right doctrine the word of god is being taught then for those who are really the children of god it's going to unite them as long as we're in the spirit it's going to unite us uh, but it also divides. It divides false teaching from true teaching. It divides those who are carnal and those who are spiritual. This missionary team that's been led by Paul and Barnabas as is, is well, but the, we know that the roles have kind of switched. Barnabas was leading at first, and now Paul kind of taken over the lead. Uh, at this point in time, they had been faithful to preach the Word of God all along the way, no matter what was going on. The good news, the gospel has been preached, even when it hasn't been popular, even when people didn't want to hear it. They've remained on the mission in the face of everything, in the face of adversity, face of opposition, in the face of, of betrayal and pain. They've, in this process, on this first missionary journey, they've seen both great victory and they've also suffered at the hands of great difficulty. And so, again, it's, it's something that is, is, is an encouragement, it's an inspiration, it's a lesson, it's, it's, it's something we should be following. Again, man, we, we are running out of time on this earth. This, this earth... I believe it's winding up. It's, 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 time, it's time for the people of God to either get real or go home, you know. <laughs> this, is what, this is what God has us on this earth for. And so this is what it's about, the, the, the mission, the gospel. And um, I'm excited to see what God does not only uh, through this, this morning's message but in our church moving forward. So let's pray. And uh, see what see what God has for us. Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you again for all that you do, Lord. Uh, help me now just to preach Your word, uh, to preach what You want, Lord. That my, my words, my mouth would just be simply a vessel uh, for for Your will to be accomplished, Lord. That You would speak uh, to to me. Do You speak to to all of us in this place, God? We are Your children. We are Your church, and uh, we all we know that we just as the song was sung, uh, there is there's a day coming when our race will be run, uh, it will be over. And even then, we'll still see uh, it's all about you. It's all, it's all about your glory. And uh, I pray that we would see now the opportunity we have to run the race. We see the opportunity now to serve you and um, to store up treasures in heaven. Lord, we pray if there is somebody here that's lost, uh, that they would hear the gospel this morning and get saved. And we'll praise you again for all this. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. Acts chapter 14, verse 8, uh, at Lystra, a man Uh, was sitting, who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. And we know this is not the first man in in Scripture that we've come in contact with that uh, even in this study who has been in a situation like this, who has never walked, been lame from their mother's womb. Uh, But think about this again. This man has never walked a day in his life. He's never walked. As a kid, he's never known the joy of, of playing tag, right? Sometimes you see kids just out on the playground, just running around playing tag, screaming and, and having fun. He's, he's, he's never known that. He's never known the joy of playing whatever maybe game was the game of the day back in this time. In our day, we say he's never known the joy as a little boy to, to run around and play football or to kick a soft, soccer ball around. He's never known the joy of, of running the bases or, or whatever the case may be. He's not known the enjoyment that comes of simply just getting up and walking when you need to go somewhere. He's never known that. He's never walked. I, I, I have made, had injuries, and some of you have had injuries and surgeries and, and have been incapacitated, not been able to walk. And, and, and again, I think that we all can know how, how blessed it is and how, how much of a blessing it is once you can get back up and start walking again. Uh, I, I've also had some, some back issues to where I've been almost, it's been almost impossible to walk. And, and you see how much of a blessing it is when that's restored, man, to be able to walk again. This man has never walked. He's never known what it is to walk, not be able to walk, and then walk again. He's just never been able to walk. It's amazing the things that we're blessed with, isn't it? Think about that. Think about this morning. You got up. You started to get ready, and, and most of us, including myself well, I, I'm, I did a little bit because I knew we were, we were preaching. But I, you know most of us don't think about putting our feet on the ground and, and being like, oh, I'm walking. I'm walking to the restroom. I'm walking to the closet. I'm walking. Most of us don't think like that again, because we are so blessed, so blessed. Again, I, I want to say encourage you this morning. This week of Thanksgiving, sometimes we should just take time out and thank God for the small things, the things that we take for granted. I mean, I I don't know about you, but when I was studying this the last couple weeks or so, I, I just kept thinking, God. God, thank you. Thank you so much for the ability to walk. This man could have been bitter. He, he could have been resentful. And, and the Bible doesn't tell us if he was that way. We, we don't know what, what storms he's gone through. We don't know what valleys he's walked. We don't know the darkness maybe in his mind that he's gone through because he's never walked and he's seen all his other, you know, maybe his, he had siblings, maybe he had, you know, all of his other friends. Everybody else could walk except for this maybe in, in his mind maybe that he was, thought, he was thinking. But look what happens verse 9. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who when he had fixed his gaze on him and had seen that he had faith to be made well." I just want to stop real quick here. Most, most translations um, and, uh, of this, this word here, made well, or, or, or healed, are or, or used like that. But the, the Greek word is sozo, and that word means to save. It, it is even uh, in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 12, this word sozo means to save, to deliver. It also can mean to heal, to protect. It can mean to be made well or to be be made whole. And I I honestly believe that in this context all apply here because of what's about to happen. So this man uh, obviously had something going on in his life and, and Paul was perceptive to what was going on in this man's life. So much so that God saw fit to inspire Paul with the Holy Spirit to write these things down that Paul saw, he perceived in him that he had faith to be made whole or faith to be saved or faith to be healed or faith to be delivered. He perceived it. He saw it on his face. He saw it in his body language. It was clear that he had faith to be made well. And we know that the case for this man isn't the case for everybody. We know that everybody that heard the gospel through the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, everybody knows that every person who's ever heard the gospel didn't have this look or didn't have this body language going on. We've seen that there have been some that have received it and some who have rejected it and some even who have persecuted it. As I've said before, sometimes it can be discouraging when someone knows that they need a savior. When someone hears that, that they need a spiritual healing and, and they, they admit that, they confess that, yes, I know I'm a sinner. Yes, I know that I have broken God's law. Yes, I know I deserve punishment for my sins. I know and I understand and I hear what you're saying. The good news is that Jesus, God, clothed in human flesh, lived a sinless life, went to the cross to pay for sins. He never committed but paid for my sins. On the cross, paying the debt, my eternal debt for my sin, I would, I would face the wrath of God for all of eternity if it wasn't for Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. He was put in a grave, and three days later, he rose again. And it's through Jesus Christ alone I can be saved. When, when someone hears that good news that through Jesus, the, the condemnation, the judgment, the wrath of God that abided on their head, their life for all of eternity, because of Jesus— They no longer have to deal with that judgment. They no longer have to live under that judgment for all of eternity because of what Jesus did. When someone hears that news, they hear that good news, and they still say, ah, not right now. I don't don't want that. I'm not not sure that I'm I'm ready right now. I've had people tell me this even right now. Well, I don't have time for that. I I mean, I I realize I, I probably need to do that, but I don't have time for that right now. Rejecting the healer himself. We also talked about how encouraging it is on the other side though, right? It's amazing and encouraging when someone sees that they have a need to be healed. They, they see, they, they, they need Jesus. They hear the good news that Jesus is the healer. He is the one that with all of their, their hurt and their pain and their, the, the sickness, their, the sickness of their soul, the, the sin sickness that they're in. It's through him and him alone that their debt and their sickness their debt can be resolved and their sickness can be healed. And they actually have faith. Place it in Jesus. And they are healed and they're saved. This I think brings up something so important for us today. If you look back in the text, notice that it says that Paul saw him. Paul saw this man. And again, it's so, such an important lesson that out of all the people who maybe were in attendance that day, out of all the people that were listening to, to Paul preach the gospel, the Bible points out this man who was lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked a day in his life, and Paul saw him. I believe that Paul was looking around the room. I believe that he was seeing the faces of the people, but whether it was the Holy Spirit, I believe it was the Holy Spirit, but I also believe it was the heart of the apostle. It was the heart of the messenger looking for the lost, looking for the sick. And I think that is such an important lesson for us to do today, to follow today. Point number one in your notes is that we need to look for and see the lost. And I capitalize the word see because I know sometimes we don't see them. Maybe they're all around us. Maybe we're working with them. Maybe we're getting so busy. Maybe we're so wrapped up in our busy lives. We're so wrapped up in our own thoughts and our own emotions and our own problems and our own stuff. Maybe we're so wrapped up in so much that we're not seeing those who are sick and in need of a Savior. I've I've confessed before, I confess it here again this morning. I have done that. I've been so busy. That I didn't see a person in need of Jesus, right? We we live our lives like we have something so much more important to do than to share the gospel that delivers people's soul from eternal damnation. We live our lives like there's something in this world that's more important than almighty God. We live our lives like, like, man, well, I got to get this stuff. I don't have time for that. I'm not even noticing these people that are going to possibly die today and spend eternity in hell. What I got to do is way more important than give them the only thing that will deliver their soul from eternity under the wrath of God. But it's important. Paul, I'm sure, had some important things to do, right? I mean, I'm sure there was other things in Paul's life like we have in our life. Right? I mean, he had to eat. I mean, there were things that he had to get done. I mean, he was not living at home. I'm sure he had to figure out a place to stay or maybe he had to fix up. I mean, he was a tent maker. So he, he had some stuff he had to do, I'm sure. But in this moment, he was doing what God had called him to do and he saw the loss. And why this is such an important thing is because this is the example that our Lord set for us as well. In Luke chapter 5, verse 32, Jesus answered them, those who are well, they have no need of a physician, but those who are sick I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And in Luke chapter 19, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Back in Matthew chapter 4, he said to them, follow me and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. I'm not going to make you rich entrepreneurs, I'm not going to make you very famous celebrities. I'm not going to make you this or that. Follow me, follow Jesus, and I'll make you fishers of men. Again, we get so fixated on temporal things. We do, all of us. Our temporal schedules, our deadlines, our our temporal responsibilities, our activities, our entertainment. It's all about us. It's all about our life. I need to be amused. I need to be entertained. I need to do what I want to do because I only have so much time to do it. And in doing so, we become so distracted from the eternal, the eternal mission for which our lungs this morning filled with air, right? Because God could have said, you're done. In the middle of the night, God could have said, I'm done with you and just took it, taking you home. Could have taken me home. But this morning we woke up, our lungs filled with air, our feet hit the floor. Why? Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Neville Morrison read this illustration recently, discovered his house was on fire, the story goes. Fortunately, he lived only four houses down from the fire station, and so he didn't pick up 911, it would be a lot slower to, to dial the phone than actually just run four houses down to the fire station. So he runs down there, and firefighter is there and meets him, and he says, uh, if you've got an emergency, you should call 911. Right, we, got, we got a fire, I don't know if that, that would actually happen, but this happened, this is a real story. The guy said, you should call 911. I guess they needed a report or something, I don't know. The guy said, look, you can see my house. You can see the blaze starting to come out of the roof. And the firefighter shut, it, shut the door in his face. I don't know where he lived, probably, this guy got fired, I don't know. <laughs> but by the time, the, the Bible, the, the, the story says by the time the firefighters did respond, The home ended up being a total loss, and the the, the whole point of that that story was that we need to take care that we don't become as complacent as the firefighter in the story and our proclamation of the gospel. Whatever reasons the firefighter had, they thought they were there for, their primary function of course is to help citizens and, and put out fires. In our story, Paul understood that his purpose was the gospel, was to proclaim it. That's the same exact purpose of the church, us. That's our purpose. So important that we don't get sidetracked. I don't know what that, I know, I've heard some stories about firefighters, about what they like to do. What, what, but I don't know what he had so busy that he needed to get by, what he thought was the right thing to do. But somebody was in need and he didn't see it. We need to see people, and we need to see the need. I'm not saying that we should be super uh, spiritual. We should, we should do things that are outside the realm of what God has given us. So, so many times people expect others to read their minds, and I'm not saying that. But I think that we should see people as souls. I encourage you to pray that. I have it on my prayer list, and, and this is what I pray. God, help me see people as souls. Help me, help me see them like you see them. That's what I pray every day. Help me see souls like you see them. And I don't always do that, but I ask God to help me because I know the weakness in my flesh. I know that I, I, I can get busy. I know I can, I, can, I can be about things that distract me from why I'm even on this earth at all. God has taken so many saints home to be with the Lord. They've already graduated. They've already, they've already ran their race. They've already finished their course. They've, they've fought the good fight of faith, and they're done. They're in the presence of Almighty God. But all of us in this room, we're still running. We're still fighting. And it's supposed to be for the gospel and the kingdom. I know I've recently made mention of conversations that we've had in our adult connect groups and conversations. Um, you can call it a shameless plug if you want to, but on that note, uh, if you're not an Adult Connect group, I think you should be an Adult Connect group because we actually have some really, really good time in God's Word and in fellowship and in connection. It's an important thing for believers. I, should, I believe every member should be plugged in, but we were talking about last week, the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and in our conversation, we talked about this. We don't always see people, who are wrapped up in sin. We don't always see people who are wrapped up in maybe drugs or maybe people who are wrapped up in alcohol or maybe wrapped up in a a particular sexual sin or sexual sins in general. We don't always see them as sinners in need of a Savior, right? And I I will say, admittedly so, I don't always do that, and we were talking about it even yesterday. There's an unnatural way that is being promoted in our culture, in our world today, that just is that very unnatural? It is not right. God did not make a man for a man. He made a, he made a woman for a man. He made, he made them male and female. That they would be fruitful and multiply. That's God's order. And so, yes, it is very odd and it's very awkward and it's a very unnatural feeling whenever that is what we experience. But we need to see them. need to see them like Paul saw this man again we don't always see them as those who are spiritually sick in need of a physician years ago we we did a a study a video study uh, in here and I think it was great it really helped me a ton I went to a conference and then we did the videos in here and it helped me a ton to understand a lot of what is behind specifically Um, sexual sins and sexual sexual sin of homosexuality primarily gender dysphoria and all that kind of stuff and um, it really helped me to to better see people as souls sinners in need of a savior point them to the physician we see this from the apostles up until now right Peter and John told the lame man what what did they say They said, look on us. They saw him. They said, look on us. Jesus, we know, deliberately went to Samaria. Why? Because there was a woman at a well that he had to see. That he had to visit with. He saw her need missionaries. Now, in modern time, go to places. And what do they do? They look for those in need. Church planners, what do they do? They go. Again, but it should be every single redeemed saint Every single forgiven sinner, every single child of God. Why? Because we are ambassadors for the That's why we're here. We are ambassadors. We're to be salt and light. We're to be fishers of men as we saw. Every single one of us should be looking and seeing them and then acting and moving and doing something, introducing them, bringing them to Jesus, something. Invite them. Tell them. Do something. Show them. Live it out. That's why we're here. Paul sees this man and he acts, and in verse 10 he says, with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. I don't know what people thought in that moment when Paul said it with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. People probably went, what? But look what what happens. And he leaped up and he began to walk. Can you imagine? It's kind of like the blind man that Jesus rubbed, you know, mud and and spittle in his eyes. And then he went and washed and he could see. Like the very first time, I I, I think I I shared this illustration before. The the video of the the older gentleman who was um, colorblind his whole life. He only saw him black and white. And they had these special glasses they put on him. And the first time that he saw colors, he began to like weep like uncontrollably weep. Can you, can you imagine what this guy did? I mean, a, an amazing thing. Paul commands him, get up on your feet, stand up on your feet. The man jumps up, and he began to walk for the first time ever in his life. He knew what it was like to say, I'm going to walk to the door. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have become like men and come down to us. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker and priest, the, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the, to the gates. And they wanted, wanted to offer sacrifice with all the crowds for these guys. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard it, they tore their robes. And they rushed out to the crowd crying and saying, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you. We're not gods. We're we're men. And we simply preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to the living God. Who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. And yet he did not leave himself without witness. In that, he did good. And gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, even though that you turned to false gods and vain things, even though God allowed for these things, he still took care of you, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. And even though Paul and Barnabas tried to straighten these, these people out and try to set the record straight, even though they tried to, to tell him, look, this is all God, it's about God, we are simply men, sinners saved by grace, we're simply vessels, it's all about God, he's the one that is doing all of this, even saying these things with difficulty, they restrain the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. That, that sounds like a complete reversal of what our culture is like today, Right? Like if, if people started sacrificing to celebrities or to sports figures, what would they do? Make it rain, right? That's what, it, that's what happens. Oh, bring it on. More endorsement, more of more this, more, 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 more praise for me. And again, we live in a social media age where social media exalts that type of stuff, right? They even have complete, I mean, businesses that teach you how to brand and, and to make yourself more likable, more monetized. It's just a very simple and clear point that we see here. Number two, we need to seek God's approval and not man's praise. I believe that the apostle Paul knew what it was to, to absorb praise, right? He came, from, he came from Pharisees. He even talked to the Philippians and said, look, if we want to start boasting, I could boast more than anybody else. If we're going to get foolish, if we're going to get weird and we're going to get crazy and we're going to get in the flesh, I could boast more than anybody else that I'm, I, am, I am more purebred, more, more laurels, more, uh, more praise should be given to me as a man. And he even says that. I'm speaking as a man. So I believe that Paul knew what it would be like. He, he, he went from city to city and people feared him whenever he got saved. And the apostles found out that he got saved. What happened? They knew this guy, and they were afraid of him. Paul knew what it was like to have notoriety. He knew what it was like to have power. He knew what it was like to have fame. He knew what it was like to be respected and, and, and regarded. He knew all of those things. And I believe Paul knew. May, maybe it was his thorn in the flesh. Some people just say it's eyes and, and, and something else. We don't know. Maybe, maybe Paul's thorn in the flesh was his pride. And there were some times in, 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 the, uh, in, in the Scriptures where he says, I speak as a man, you know, I, we don't, we don't know. But regardless, we know that Paul was fighting against this. And to do this, to, to seek God's approval and not man's praise, it requires a right mind, a right heart, and right focus, a right vision. Everyone in this room, I hope, knows that we can't be good enough. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you're trying to be good enough to go to heaven, I'm telling you right now, the Bible says very clearly, there is none good. No, not one. There's none that doeth righteous, the Bible says. In our own ability, we cannot do righteousness. There is, we are completely unrighteous. We are completely sinners. We are completely filthy. Every single one of us in our own ability, in our own person, all we can offer. His unrighteousness. You can read your Bible. You can can sing loud praise. You can show up for church every single time. But all those things, will. you can give a lot of money. You can serve other people. You can do a lot of good community deeds. But you can never do enough good for it to be good in God's sight. That's why it's by His grace alone, through faith alone, the Bible says. Only because God loves us that we can have a relationship with Him. Again, there's none good, no, not one. And so if if we're saved, if we're born again, if you're here in this room and you're saved, you know, along with everybody else in this room, we could never be good enough. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve praise. Seeking God's approval, I want to make this important note, shouldn't be done out of fear either. And I'm not saying that, that... this is what we should be seeking God's approval because, oh, I want God, I want you to approve of me. I'm I'm, I'm afraid of you if I don't, no, no, no. It's not even as a Christian trying to be good enough for God because even the only good that we have in our life as Christians is his righteousness. The only help and the only hope that we have is the spirit of God living inside of us, conforming us to the image of his son. The only thing good is him in us. But again, seeking God, seeking his approval, is a vision set. It's a mindset. It's a heart set. Just as Colossians chapter 3 says, if you have been raised with Christ, then seek things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. Why? Because you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God, and when Christ, who is your life... Appears, then you will also you also will appear with him in glory. Paul and Barnabas could have been like the rulers that Jesus exposed. Right? What were the, what were the rulers like that Jesus exposed? They were seeking the approval of man rather than God, and Jesus exposed it. John chapter 5, but you know that uh, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I've come in my father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. Jesus knew. Romans chapter 12, we know that we are not supposed to be conformed to this, this world, but be transformed. 2 Timothy chapter 2 tells, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And in Psalms chapter 19, verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Again, it's not in and of ourselves that we can be good enough to God. We, we can't be acceptable to God in and of ourselves. We can't do what's acceptable. It's only by the help of the Holy Spirit that we could submit to being those vessels of honor, to being those instruments of righteousness, as Paul told the Romans, Romans chapter 6. It's only by the grace of God. Just like Paul and Barnabas knew, it wasn't anything about them. They, did, they deserved no sacrifice. They deserved no praise. They didn't deserve what these people were trying to do to them. They knew it was only by God's grace. Colossians chapter 1, Paul would write, And you who w- were once were alienated hostile in your mind doing evil deeds, he, Jesus, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you, this is his work, in order to present you holy and blameless. And look at these words and above reproach before him. It's the work of Christ, it's the Holy Spirit, it's the grace of God. He says, if indeed, here's how it happens, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Again, it's only by the work of God in every person. The righteousness of Christ deposited, the Bible uses the word imputed, accounting word, Imputed, deposited into our life by his grace. And it's through that, as I said a while ago, that we can yield ourselves as instruments of righteousness. I'm not going to read all of Romans chapter 6. I encourage you to read it when you you get the opportunity, because it says it's only by God's grace. And it's only by the imputed righteousness of Christ in our lives that we can yield ourselves as instruments of of righteousness to God. As I close, I want to make this clear. There's nothing wrong with showing thanks, showing appreciation for others. There's nothing wrong with that. With giving encouraging and affirming words, I think we should tell each other, hey, you're doing a good job. Hey, I appreciate you. I think that's, that's encouraging things to do. Showing appreciation, lifting other people up. Again, this week of Thanksgiving should remind us not only we should be thankful for our blessings from above, but also the blessings that God has given us in our life. But we need to make sure that we aren't living for that as our motivation, to receive the approval and the praise of mankind. Matter of fact, we learn from this lesson to deflect the praise of man, not to absorb it. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with saying thank you. There's nothing wrong with saying I appreciate it. Nothing wrong with saying, hey, you're doing a good job. Nothing wrong with all those things. But as Christians, we need to be careful and guard against absorbing the praise of man. Embrace the encouragement, but deflect the praise. Embrace the encouragement, but deflect the praise. We should affirm and encourage spiritual fruit and work and and to all the parents in here, I wanna encourage you with that too. We encourage sports, we encourage activities and we encourage school work and social things in our kids. But parents, when's the last time that you have affirmed and encouraged spiritual things in your kids? All right, you you can do it for sports and school and all that kind of stuff, but when's the last time you affirmed and encouraged or, or held your kids accountable for spiritual things? Do you pray with your kids? Do you pray for your kids? Are you invested spiritually? Do you set an example that the spiritual things are the most important things in this world? Let me ask you this. Do you ask your kids spiritual questions? If your kids don't see that the spiritual is the most important, why in the world would we think that one point in their life they're going to count the cost and follow Christ no matter what comes their way? Again, this week is a week of giving thanks to God for our blessings. And man, God has blessed us so much in this world. Let's look for and see those who are in need. As we're giving thanks and as we're being sensitive to the things of God and the things that he's blessed us with, let's let's make sure that that we, we are looking for those who need Jesus, the greatest blessing of all. And let's make sure that we're yielding to the Holy Spirit, deflecting praise of man and seeking the approval of God, living that life that's pleasing to him. Seeking the approval of man is a road of pride that leads to destruction every time. It happens internally. You want somebody to notice something. You want somebody to, to give you praise with social media in person, whatever. Usually destruction starts happening inside first and then usually it happens externally as well. It's a spiritual thing. Let's make sure we're living lives to please our God and our God alone. Father, thank you for this time. Again, thank you for all that you do in our life, Lord. We have, we could spend all day, we could spend all week, we could spend our entire life thanking you and giving you praise for the abundant blessings that you pour out in our life because there's one great blessing that we could never thank you for enough, and that's the fact that you loved us enough to die in our place, to give us eternal life as a gift, a free gift. Lord, we we could never thank you enough. And then on top of all of that, you bless us with so many things in this life. Even little things like we talked about this morning, we consider little things like walking. Lord, it's just an amazing, you're an amazing God. You're such a, a good father. You are so gracious and loving and giving and generous. And Lord, I pray that we would take the lessons this morning and apply them in our life, that we would see people as souls, that we would see them as you see them, or that we would be looking for those who are lost, that we wouldn't be so wrapped up in temporal pursuits. God, we wouldn't be so wrapped up in temporal schedules that we make for ourselves or we let the world make, and that we would would not have enough time or thought or care for somebody who may be perishing. Lord, help us see. Those in need and then Lord again, help us to live a life pleasing to you, seeking your approval, not seeking man's praise. Help us respond now in a right way, and we'll praise you. And we ask this in Jesus' name before He please.